Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining us like always, Steven Schleicher. I'm the man with the golden fidget spinner. Oh, Jesus. It's a winner. This podcast will not age well. And also joining us across from the internet. <laughs> like this movie that we're watching this week. Yeah. yeah, all the way across the internet. Matthew Peterson. Brought to you by the American Motor Company. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we watched this what? film under... Sad circumstances. Under no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Roger Moore passed away a yes. couple of weeks ago, and we had a poll of the week at Majorspoilers.com, and uh, basically we said, what was everyone's favorite Roger Moore James Bond film? Yeah. And whichever mm-hmm. one had the most votes, that's the one that we would review on Zach on Film. And it just so happened that we got Man with a Golden Gun, and I'm kind of thankful that it wasn't the... Um, um, was it Live and Let Die? I'm kind of glad it wasn't that one. Because that would have been even worse considering how Which one's Live and Let Die? Because they all sound exactly the same. That's the one where it goes to Louisiana. That's the one with the clown and Papa Shango, the... Yeah, if you thought if you thought there were racist problems with this film, imagine rolling the clock back a few more years and setting this in the Deep South. Yeah. And, yeah. I felt like this was... Uh, James Bond movie I've probably seen bits and pieces of on TBS. Oh, sure. You mean uh, Man with uh, a Third uh, Nipple? Ago. Yeah. You know? This is like the prototypical every, everything that's wrong with James Bond film. I was just watching this. <laughs> I was like, this is like, Does this, though, this is this bad. is one of your favorite ones? Yeah. And uh, it's exactly for the reason that Zach mentioned, because this film is literally everything. This film <laughs> is is a big fight sequence and Hervé Villachez being cute and a half-naked girl and Christopher Lee and they stole the entire climax of Enter the Dragon but they also then they have the dojo fight which is clearly Bruce Lee inspired but it's okay because it's won by two 16-year-old girls and then of course you have a Sheriff Pepper come back in the flying car and just all sorts of crap this this is literally everything but the kitchen sink and no it has not aged well but it's still my favorite, probably because it hasn't aged well, because 1974 was a long time ago, you guys. Well, so a couple of things that are going on in the world, kind of like now. You know, people are worried about the climate, worried about energy. We're going to uh-huh. be out of energy in a few years. Right. Uh, Great Britain is still uh, just recently coming out of the energy, the gas crisis mm-hmm. of 1973. So by the time this film hits, you know, alternative energy, solar power is kind of a big deal. And the weird part is... So much of that Solex thing that he's hunting down is pushed completely out of the way that Bond mm-hmm. is like, he's been following this professor and guarding this professor and making sure that the, the Solex device is fine. And then the whole movie is just derailed while uh, Bond has to go and figure out who is Scaramanga and who has hired yep. him and what does this Chinese dude have to do with anything? And why is a Chinese dude hanging out in Thailand as a major player in Thailand and not in China? Probably because they can't film in China. Yeah. Um, and why is there a racist Southerner there? And, you know, it, it just goes off into this huge <laughs> tangent for like 
more than it's, half the movie before it comes back around and you discover, oh, Scaramanga wants this for himself. Oh, he wants to make all the money. Okay, now this starts to make a lot of sense. But there's a huge part of this movie that's just like, hey, let's just drive around in circles for an hour. Yep. Yeah. And there's a there's a, a long and involved chase sequence that starts in front of an American uh, motor company dealership with large, uh, big oh, yeah. logos. And then it involves two AMC vehicles, both of which are labeled with a big AMC logos. On oh, yeah. Them. No, that's a that's a big deal. I mean, the the Hornet was a huge seller in. Mexico, in Australia, uh, in, I believe, South Africa, it was really big. And that's the car that we see here now. The The Hornet, the one that we saw in the film, was the basis for American Motor Company's biggest failure, the Gremlin, which came out like right the after this. They called, yeah, the they called a car you've a never Gremlin? Seen the Gremlin? If you've ever seen the Gremlin. You've never it's, seen it's a Gremlin? It's considered, oh. the Pacer and the Gremlin are considered two of the worst cars ever made in history. I mean, who would want to buy a car called Gremlin? Yeah, they are that's ugly. insane. That's the thing, though. The Gremlin itself was not an unreliable vehicle. It was merely hideous. Yeah. It's <laughs> literally <laughs> shaped like a microwave <laughs> with an engine compartment on the front. And the Hornet that we see here is pretty cute, and whatever it is that Scaramanga is driving is pretty cute. He is driving... Well, what did I see that? He is driving... Uh, another car that had gone out, uh, it's yeah, the AMC, AMC Matador. Uh, AMC Matador go. was what it was. And it was awesome. a, this was actually a concept car that Ooh. had been developed that actually could fly. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. why when you see it first go into the hangar um, and then come out, it looks like there's been some modifications to it. Like mm -hmm. not besides just bolting on <laughs> some wings, but some other stuff as well. And uh, that was actually a, a concept that American Motor Company had come up with. And uh, actually, this film is really interesting from the AMC standpoint. So at the time that this film was made, uh, the uh, famous stunt that Matthew had referenced just a moment ago where it's a corkscrew jump. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's mm -hmm. an actual real jump. That's not some miniature, you know, RC controlled kind of thing. That's an actual stunt. That might uh, this this portion of the Man with the Golden Gun might be the best part of the Golden uh, Gun. Except for the, the slide, history, except for the slide whistle. Well, yeah, the, the slide was not is necessarily insane. in this. So, anyway, but the history of the jump is cool. Yeah, so there was this guy that was out doing this, and they had done it at a car show in like 1973. And I guess uh, one of the Broccoli's, uh, what's his name, Cubby, Cubby Broccoli, mm -hmm. I think, saw it, and he yeah. instantly was like, "Oh, we have to use this in a James Bond movie because it is such a freaking cool stunt." And there on the spot, he bought the stunt from mm -hmm. the guy that was doing it, so that. It couldn't be performed anywhere else before people mm -hmm. had a chance to see see it done in the um, in the Bond movie, in The Man with the Golden Gun. So it was like completely under wraps. So they are using the Hornet, the Sportabout is what it is, the AMC Hornet Sportabout. And they yep. modified it so that um, the center of gravity was literally in the middle of the car. Mm. So they moved the steering wheel to the center of, of the car. Everything was in the center so it could make that perfect uh, spiral. And then, yep. of course, they yanked out the engine and put a better engine in. And they put some other stuff in to make it lighter and took a bunch of stuff out to make it lighter. And um, they did this. And, and they used uh, – I think uh, they used a Univac computer to actually mm -hmm. program that stunt. <laughs> so I Simulated mean, software. It is a computer-assisted effect. In because it needed, in 1974 or whatever it is, 73, whenever yep. the, the, the movie was shot. 
So that's kind of cool to see that. Although when you yeah. watch it, you kind of look at it. And for those of you who have seen Live and Let Die, there's a similar uh, kind of effect with um, uh, boats uh, doing jumps and stuff in that movie in the Louisiana Bayou oh, stuff yeah. that kind of look kind of fakey. And when you throw in that tin whistle, the slide whistle here, oh. it does make this stunt look like a joke. Yeah. Unfortunately. The slide whistle is the biggest mistake in a movie full of mistakes. I mean, this movie has a lot of issues in terms of just production things where you look at it and go, what were they possibly thinking? What the hell? Who with the what and the thing? So the slide whistle. The the slide whistle is like the the oh, I had a song. The raindrops keep falling on my head sequence from Butch Cassidy condensed into half a second. Like the insanity of that entire scene is in one second. I saw one reviewer. This is just a blogger writing about this. But he said he's he, you know, grew up watching this stuff. And I guess when he was like um, 20 or something, he had a chance to watch it again when they were replaying it. Because uh, in the United States and around the world, uh, especially if you have TBS or TNT, they will run James Bond marathons. And back in the yes. 90s, I looked forward to the James Bond marathon. Sure. I mean, I would be I would stay up all night for an entire, you know, for three days straight just so I could watch every <laughs> single Bond film that they would put out. Uh, on there because they weren't always out on VHS and who wants to watch something on VHS when you can watch it on edited television. Of course. But uh, there was a person who, who I read online. I don't remember what the site was, but um, he said he was watching it with his brother and they were all geared up and excited about this. And they were watching the man with the golden gun. And as soon as the car does the flip and he heard the slide whistle, that ruined the entire film for him. He guess in all the years yep. he had seen it, he'd never recognized that there was a slide whistle <laughs> in there. You and don't remember he, it. And he remember walked the out. Visual. Yeah, he walked out of his house and had to take a breath, he says in his blog. And it was like, at that moment, I realized James Bond movies are prepubescent uh, adolescent fantasy. <laughs> and they are not meant for older people. And that's why you have sexy naked women dancing over the title credits. You have a very poor racial stereotype of the girl who's swimming going, I have no clothes on. My name is Chumi. And it's like, oh, uh, God, you know, you've with got the, all that very thick pigeon. Chinese yeah, yeah. Accent. And, and it's all in there. And it's just like, OK, yeah, you're right. This is something that is geared. And I think especially in the 70s and early 80s, uh, which was the run of the Roger Moore era, it was how sexist can we be, how titillating we can be and how many jokes can we throw in there to appeal yeah. kind of like today in, in many films. How can we appeal to that younger audience who's really going to get into this stuff? And not, not the older audience who want a sophisticated spy movie, maybe like Doctor No or Skyfall. Doctor No is not a sophisticated sky. It is spy movie. It I is mean, a more sophisticated spy movie than anything that Roger Moore uh, did in his run. Well, agreed. But I mean, <laughs> Chuck, Chuck Norris's Delta Force is a more sophisticated spy movie than this. I, well, yes, than this, yes. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, when you actually break down this movie, the the biggest issue with it is kind of an ADD. But I almost feel like, and again, I think there's a little bit of the this is 45 years ago playing in my head. But I almost feel like the use of these, and they keep saying Oriental, but the use of these set pieces and these characters is meant to be an honor. It's meant to be celebratory of these cultures. 
it's meant to be something where we look at that and go, oh, look at how neat this is. These guys live in a dojo. And then they can ride their little motorcycle the carts down the down the canal. I mean, there's a feeling here that they I feel like they really felt like they were going to show people a glimpse into another world. And, of course, now we know that it's a, a glimpse of lots and lots of stereotypes. Well, and that goes into the character of Sheriff J.W. Pepper, who, again, was originally appeared in Live, Live and Let Die, had no purpose being in here uh, in this movie, well, except I have a theory. This Are is we, a continuum character? Yes, he appeared in Live and Let Die. So in that movie, there is a great uh, uh, boat chase scene through the Louisiana Bayou where James Bond is jumping motorboats and all this stuff. And... Uh, Jay Pepper huh. is there and eventually comes up to Bond and catches him and is like, it looks like you made a mistake in the wrong, uh, what is it, uh, parish, and, you know, wants to arrest him until parish. he finds out that that's, he's a secret agent. That's and that's why, how he knows he's That's why James when he looks Bond. at him, he's going, oh, right. you're that spy boy. Okay. Here is my theory <laughs> on why a British film brought back Jay Pepper. It is the British filmmaker's commentary on what America is. Sheriff John Wayne Pepper, who is a, a redneck, who is racist, who keeps calling people. And I've never heard this oh, phrase yeah. before. Oh, yeah. Triangle heads? No, pointy heads. Pointy heads. Okay. Yeah. And he's he's racist. He's uncouth. He's crude. He is literally everything that you imagine in a stereotype of the ugly American. Yeah. Circa 1974. These days, mm. it's probably a little more presidential, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and I can't believe I said that out loud. But more importantly, Sheriff John Wayne Pepper from Alabama. And by the way, he's doing a total Alabama accent. They say he's from Louisiana, but that's an Alabama accent. I could see that actually. And yeah, I, I really think, think that, it's the I really think it's the filmmakers just saying, "Hey, this is how bad Americans are." That's why well, British spies and everyone with a British accent are cool and suave and debonair. And here you have this fat yep. guy getting shoved into the water by an elephant who's reaching into his pocket. And in fact, yep. that is the punchline of a joke: is is that an elephant in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? Right. He's he's bigoted. He yeah. cannot, I mean, he cannot not say the first thing that pops into his head. There, there, I can definitely see this point, and I think, you know, even if this is not a theory that we can confirm, I'm going to call this myth confirmed. The other thing that's, that's problematic, as Matthew pointed out, is not only the inherent um, racism, jingoism, et, et cetera, that's in here. There's also uh, the sexism where Mary Goodnight, who is an agent. Yeah. Is reduced to just a dumb girl. You're my, you know, essentially a sex slave. You know, yeah. I, I will pull Mary you out of the closet. Or is it Holly? I thought it was Holly. No, Mary. Good night. Good night. Who's Holly? I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe in another movie. Okay. I'll, I'll, I I I like your take on the British commentary of Americans. Uh, I like it even more when it's like, look at that dumb racist American. Look at our cool sexist spy. Yeah, yeah. he's great. Well, I mean, you know, he does pull. Like I said, uh, Good Night is essentially just a sex toy that he pulls out of the closet when he needs her and puts her away when he wants to go and make out with Maude Adams, who is a Bond girl who has appeared in three Bond movies. So this is her different first, characters, different characters. So oh, she man. appeared here, then in on Octopussy, she was Octopussy, and oh. then in. Whatever the San Francisco um, uh, movie kill. was. 
View to a Kill. She was briefly mm-hmm. in that movie. So yeah, she's been on in the movie three in James Bond movies three times, which is kind of cool. But, she is one of the iconic Bond girls. Oh sure, I think for me, just in terms of the look, where you go, yeah, that's a Bond girl. Yeah. That's sorry, <laughs> Zach. We, kind of, we no, kind of took over. It's this fine. There's a lot of information because the Bond franchise is something that's too big for me to care about. I'm not going to watch all of really? them. I have no desire. I watched this movie and I thought this is garbage. I'm not going to watch 40 of these things. Well, so and here's the interesting thing. You really like Skyfall, right? Yeah, Skyfall was great. Skyfall actually points out everything that's wrong with James Bond's character, right? Some people look yeah. at it and say, oh, here's a celebration of who the James Bond character is. You know, we're devolving him. We're tearing him down to his essence of what he is. But if you think of everything in The Man with the Golden Gun that's wrong with James Bond, sexist, racist, mm-hmm. uh, misogynistic, uh, you know, drunkard, etc. That's all called out in Skyfall. Mm-hmm. And so when Skyfall comes around, you're actually saying, yeah, but here's all the you're really not the greatest spy in the world. I mean, you couldn't it took you an hour and a half to figure out where a bullet came from. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's there's just so much of Bond that can be interesting. Because I thought a lot of this movie was uninteresting based off a whole lot of things, mainly a lot of the problem areas we've already addressed. But then the extended uh, where are you uh, fight sequence in Scaramanga's Crazy Maze, Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. so well done. It was so good to watch. And then it yeah. and then it really just dropped off the edge and got worse at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. And then it was just and like bad. Into, and then, and then so the other thing that we see start to happen in the James Bond movies when Roger Moore takes over is more campiness, uh, which personally I believe culminates with Octopussy, where they make Roger Moore dress as a clown for <laughs> like I don't know twenty minutes of the film as he's trying <laughs> to escape Romania or wherever that he's coming from. Um, but here we start to see things like oh. Uh, James Bond is trying to loosen the Solex device and, uh, mm-hmm. oh, Miss Goodbody bends her bum over and presses the button, which sends down the laser yeah. and nobody there's, knows what's going on. There's, and wah, so, wah, yeah. wah, wah. there's so many portions of the movie, I think, that was the worst. Like, the slide whistle is probably on yeah. the top. The well, almost killing James Bond with your butt is probably yeah. second. <laughs> that slapsticky bit where he's trying to get the bullet out of the belly dancer's oh, tummy. Oh, God, yes. yes. And then someone breaks in and he accidentally swallows it. And then he's like, quick, to the nearest pharmacy. And I'm like, oh, that was wait, so is, dumb. He getting, is he getting Ipecac or is he getting some sort of diuretic or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah like yeah. that should have been followed through more. That was it the big have. flaw in the, man with the Golden know, Gun. Is this laxative or is it the vomit <laughs> situation? Yeah, yeah, we completely forgot that about that opening scene about the missing bullet. Yeah, I mean, slapstick I, from top to bottom. And like, <sighs> I was so you know, ready to be like, no, this was a halfway decent movie until Nick Knack shows up on the boat. I'm like, you <laughs> stupid movie makers, why did you do this? Uh, which at least, part at the end where they throw him in the suitcase and throw him overboard? Yes. Oh, okay. When it's like, oh, I'm going yeah, to kill you, and person. now I'm just going to throw I, I, bottles at you. It was so yeah. unnecessary and dumb. And they even like, like this is funny. We're going to trap him in a suitcase. Yeah. We're going to put him in a wooden cage on a boat. <laughs> question for you guys, and this is really a question for Steven, because I doubt that uh, you have any memory of this, Zach. Thank you. Okay. Fantasy Island. Yep. Comes out of this. It has to. That's what I was thinking, too. Because, because Mr. Rourke not only dresses like Scaramanga, mm-hmm. he resembles Christopher Lee as Scaramanga. Right. 
there's that iconic sequence at the beginning of every episode of Fantasy Island where you see Hervé Villachez run up that spiral staircase, which is in this movie. I mean, it, this really feels like somebody went, let's take this Hervé Villachez guy, put him in here, and make something like the thing that people know him from. Right. No, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, th- okay. That had to have been where it came from because the similarities are just too... I mean, here's the little person manservant. Here is yeah. the um, here's the smart dressed guy who's living yeah. on an isolated island somewhere and living out the greatest fantasy because he has everything at his fingertips. Yeah, I can totally see yeah. that. The white linen suit with the dark mm-hmm. tie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just totally. Oh, I was just I was watching this and going, yeah. Somebody said, let's just turn this into a weekly love boat show. And I'm, <laughs> now we I forgot the to that. Uh, Francisco Scaramanga. The main yeah. villain in this, who uh-huh. only needs one Scott bullet, among, Scott among, which I can't imagine that a four millimeter bullet, four point two, thank you, would be hmm. powerful enough to kill somebody at a distance from a gun that small. But hey, you yeah, know, but they, Steve, have a, they have Steve, a they have a they have a guy. But anyway, it's a golden bullet. Yes, obviously, which that you works. know, one of the hardest metals in the universe is going to penetrate someone's <laughs> skull. That's exactly what you want to do. But Scaramanga, played by Christopher Lee, who yes. many people know as Dracula. Uh, or yes. also Prince uh, Dooku or whatever his name is from uh, Count Dooku, Count, Count Dooku, Dooku from Star Wars. I didn't know he was or Dracula. You didn't know he was Dracula? Go like, look at Dracula? go look at like sixties and seventies yeah. Dracula movies. He, he was in the... like six Dracula movies. Man, oh, the, sweet. Hammer, the Hammer House of Horror is built on Christopher Lee. Man, yeah. isn't yeah. wasn't he also one of the scary wizards in Lord of the Rings? Yeah, he yeah, was Sauron. He was Sauron. Yeah, Sauron. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sorry, here's the yeah. other thing. Christopher Lee is the cousin of Ian Fleming who created James Bond. Oh, and right. many people th- believe that because Christopher Lee worked in secret for uh, the British uh, uh, service when right. he was in, in the war, many people think that Ian Fleming created the character of James Bond based on Christopher Lee. Because isn't the, the, Lee, the, the Lee story that he told them that's now what it sounds like when you stab yeah, someone in the chest uh, or something? Yeah, that was on yep. the set of like, Lord of the, the Rings back, or something actually, like that. Yeah. yeah, stab him in through the lungs. He's, that's, that's not the sound someone makes. So That's the noise. <laughs> that's not the noise they'd make, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, but that's kind of interesting that for a long time, or just recently, I should say, people have started to question whether Christopher Lee was really the inspiration for James Bond and Christopher Lee had the chance to play James Bond, I believe in like 69. I think he was supposed to be in the movie before Roger Moore was, but he mm-hmm. passed on it for whatever reason, I think because they thought he was not strong enough because he was doing all the, the Dracula movies at the time. <laughs> that um, would be in Her Majesty's Secret Service with Lazenby, wouldn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is the best James Bond movie of all time. It's it's very solid. Yeah. The The thing that's very... Very difficult is when I was young, I went through a James Bond phase, and I uh, at the time I was a voracious reader, and I went to try and read the James Bond books. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Man with the Golden Gun book has yes. in it a character named James Bond and a character named Francisco Scaramanga. <laughs> that is the end of the resemblance between that book. Yep. And this movie. Same oh, way. If, same way. If uh, what'd you say the San Francisco movie one movie one was? The San Francisco movie one? The the James Bond. What was that one? The was that Inter Majesty's Secret Service? No, 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 no. That what was that? What was the movie? It was the the one uh, the very last Robert Oh, a View to a Kill. View to a the Kill. The last the last, yeah. If you read that okay. book, it has nothing to do with the movie. Is that how all of yeah. them are? 
Um, no, not, not always, because Dr. No is pretty straightforward. Um, uh, I believe that one is set in Jamaica and not the Bahamas, but it's pretty solid uh, from yep. that. Uh, there's okay. a little bit more violence in the early James Bond stuff as opposed to some of the later James Bond stuff. Uh, Quantum right. of Solace, a movie that a lot of people really hated, is that movie is only based on the title of a short story, James, a uh, short <laughs> James Bond story. It has nothing to do with that story itself. Okay. So, yeah. Well, and that's a problem with adaptations, right? I mean, sure. you're going to try to use as much of it as you can, but hey, if we can put this in Thailand and Macau and, uh, right. and, uh, uh, you know, the, the sunken ship, the, the Queen Mary, that's a lot yeah. more exciting than, you know, 15 chapters of I followed the man. 50 paces yeah. behind as I fall <laughs> Right. And you know, the, the running gag of that ship with the leaning floor mm-hmm. is another example of an almost slapstick sight gag mm-hmm. that totally undermines what they're trying to do here. Oh, yeah. Because I couldn't stop thinking of the 1960s Batman. Right. The entire time I watched I'm like that. sitting there going, what's with the Dutch angle, boys? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but yeah, watching that whole sequence and watching the people... <laughs> just uh, walking up the hill and just that entire sequence felt dumb. <laughs> and I'm talking about a movie where the, the crime Lord is named high fat clearly has a twin brother out there named low. Yeah. I, I'm just, Oh, this is not middle not, name saturated. And I'll say it again. <laughs> I will say it again. 1973 is the year Bruce Lee died. Yeah. So all of the kung fu that we see in here is a is a you know kind of an answer to that Bruce Lee post Bruce Lee passing away kung fu phase, and they stole the climax of Enter the Dragon mm-hmm. and they put it in this movie. And I, I I appreciate that they tried to set it up at the beginning where they killed stereotypical member of the Apple Dumpling Gang, yeah. uh, Mr. <laughs> Mafia, whatever his deal was, the guy who actually apologized to a wax figure of Al Capone like it was Jesus. Well, see, the weird thing is about that is at one point I thought that it was revealed that, you know, like uh, when Bond goes through that, that when the gangster land opens up, that the guy that was killed at the beginning of the movie had been stuffed and was one of now one of the bad guys in that in that alley. But I guess not. Oh, yeah. That's oh. that's my mind going all sorts of weird places because, <laughs> you know, he's apologizing to Al Capone and it's literally a guy standing there pretending to be a dummy. Pretending to be a wax dummy. Yeah. Because and they could have just gotten a wax dummy. Well, they couldn't because the wax dummy of Roger Moore is plot related. And if you're going to have a wax dummy of Roger Moore played by the real Roger Moore, your other wax dummies have to be of a piece. I mean, that makes sense to me from a production standpoint. First of all, wax dummies are expensive. And second of all, it helps the fact that that's clearly really Roger Moore just standing there, maybe with a coat of (laughs) silver lacquer on his face. Yeah. And then you get to the point where that Roger Moore dummy wins the Enter the Dragon fight with Mr. Han or Mr. Scaramahanga whatever you want to say it is. And that I, I liked that. I felt like that was, it was an obvious Chekhov's gun, but it was one that I felt oh, was sure. well. Implemented. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. Yeah. That was, that was perfect. Now was the except, cowboy except at the, as well. Well, see, that's what I, at one point, no, it's clearly a, a dummy in the, in the beginning, but I thought at times in my memory from a young child seeing this, <laughs> That it was revealed that those were actually stuffed like, you know, the stuffed people of the people that he had killed. 
No, I that think would you made add that. a no new layer of creepiness. Oh, it, it to totally the would have, right? So he yeah. could continually that, go after those people again and again and again. Well, um, I saw that that cowboy stuffed that looked like Roger Moore, and I thought it was a Maverick riff. Mm. Because yeah, Roger no. Moore was what? Well, which Maverick was he? The bad Barney one. Maverick. He was he was the uh, the rogue Maverick in yeah. Maverick. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that ruined that final gag though of the um. Wax dummy mm-hmm. is as they're trucking that camera, you can clearly see Roger Moore wiggling <laughs> around and it's like, okay, that's not, a, that's not a dummy. That's someone sitting there who doesn't know how to keep his balance. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a little wobbly. Of course, we also should note that Roger Moore uh, was what? 53 when he started playing James Bond. And so mm-hmm. at the time when oh, he wow. became James Bond, he was the oldest person to play James Bond and interestingly, he's also the first person to uh, pass away who has played uh, James Bond. Which makes uh, sense. To me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I I would always, if you were to ask me, I would have always put Sean Connery as the oldest and yeah. figured that he would have died first. Connery ages and has aged better than Roger, even in that role. But Roger was born in like 1927, and my grandmother was only born a few years before that, so... You have wow. to take into account at this point. Yeah, Roger's going to be in his fifties, so it's infernal. That's interesting. I never would have thought he was that old in this movie. Yeah, yeah. He he looks really. Yeah, good. he was born in he was born in twenty seven. So I believe if wow. you if you looked at in seventy two, he would be fifty, like forty eight. Oh, forty eight. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but even so, I mean that's. That's older than you expect your bond to be. My bond is eternally I mean, like 30. I'm not even as old as Roger Moore was when he first started playing James Bond. Congrats, and man. he played and he played James Bond in 12 films. We still have a shot then. He did 12? You, you can still be Bond. No, I'm sorry. Oh. He was James Bond for 12 years, seven films, right. if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I was say he did a buttload, but I didn't realize yeah, he'd done yeah, that. No, no, sorry. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, that's right. It was uh, seven and films, 12 years. While we're talking about things that have not aged well, was anybody else extremely skeeved out by him breaking in to her uh, hotel while she's in the shower, then beating her up while she's basically naked to get the information that he wanted? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Uh, there is not a scene. There is not a scene or a sequence in this film that is not cringeworthy by today's viewers. Becknell test. Oh, no. I, I what Becknell? What? No, that doesn't exist no. in this film. <laughs> yeah, it was if, even from was that before he walked into the dancer's dressing room and just uh, like hey, that was after that was after was that after? Yeah. Okay, yeah. well then the I should have seen the dancing thing coming. You really should. He walked into the dancer's dressing room and then was like, "Hello, I can't do an impersonation of Roger Moore, so I'm going to keep doing Connery." <laughs> but yeah, when he walked in on her naked, yeah. And then let her put a towel on, but then beat her up while she was naked and he was fully clothed and armed. I was just like, how am I supposed to? This is not this is not the hero. You guys We have talked about uh, before with Midnight Cowboy, how uh, our our character uh, has to confront what is masculinity. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this question as you watch the Bond films, at least up until the point where um, uh, Daniel Craig took over of what does bond represent? Does he represent what men think men should be like? 
mm-hmm. masculine, you know, smack the woman around when she needs it, uh, but still make love to her and leave her satisfied while I smoke my cigar and drink my martinis and drive my fast cars. This is what it means mm-hmm. to be a man. This is what it means to be successful. This is what it means to be cool and suave. And so we do see that, you know, all throughout the Bond films. And as I said earlier uh, about this uh, uh, prepubescent uh, wet dream of what James <laughs> Bond is that kind of that kind of fits into that of and and it's not just you know and we're talking about you know how how bad this film is from so many different social angles it's not just this film like I said I'm kind of glad we didn't see live and let die um, yeah but you know go that, back and look at movies worse you know as much as I love on her majesty's secret service the gimmick of that is he goes up to Telly Savalas's lair on top of a Swiss mountain to have his uh, genealogy researched. And, and the only people that are there are George Lazenby, Telly Savalas, and a dozen women from around the world. And as he's trying to figure out what's going on, he sleeps with every woman on, in the place multiple yeah. times, sometimes uh, some of them in the same night. So yeah. I'm not saying that James, you know, that this is... The this is the problem with James Bond films. A lot of James Bond films are this way. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I understand that the original stories are even more sexist. Oh yeah, yeah, and more violent, and too. make him even even more of a of a brute and an overt rapist. So I don't know. I mean, that's we, the problem. We love James I can't Bond, watch though, these. but I mean, it does bring up this question of you know how are how is masculinity? How are are men who are looking at movies like this? They mm. watch this and say, well, if I'm going to be like James Bond, I must. Also do these things or, hey, I do those things already. I beat my wife, so it's okay. I'm just Uh, like James Bond. Yeah, that's the problem with these. It's the same thing we talk about so many movies from the 60s and 70s. It's like it's hard to watch them no matter if they're a great like film production because it's like you have to like encounter so many horrible things you have to look over. Okay, so what gives us, you know, Matthew is Matthew is saying from, you know, young Matthew, young Stephen. Yeah. We look at these films, and why do we give a pass to the sexy names, Octopussy and, and Chubby right. and all these other things? Why do we give a pass to that and to the smacking the woman around and then you know making love to women or having a shoving a girl into a closet while you make love to the other woman <laughs> and she's just listening to the, the whole time? Oh, what about this movie gives us a pass on that? What makes us forget about how racist – and the racist uh, slurs that are going on in this movie. What makes us forget that or give it a buy and accept it as okay? One could be think, it's a product of the time, but I think there's something else right. that that um, steps over those and gathers our attention. I don't part know. of it is part of it is definitely that zeitgeist. It's that expectation where you see something. In its time, you see something as a contemporaneous piece of pop culture, but then society moves on past that and your brain and your memory does change and the things that you expect change. And sometimes as those changes happen in your head, Mm -hmm. you no longer think your brain would no longer think not that I have ever thought that it might be acceptable. You would no longer think that, you know, the portrayal of a a giggling pigeon naked girl who's clearly meant to be some sort of prostitute saying her name is uh, suck me or something. I can't remember what her Chumi, name actually Chumi. was. Chumi, my bad. When you have that moment, 
your brain goes, that is not acceptable. And I know that now. And somehow you almost shut it out of your head until it comes back and hits you, know you why? full force. You're like, ugh. You know why? You, Tell you me just kind of pass over the chew me line is there's a naked girl in the pool and you can see that she's naked in that pool. <laughs> so all we remember is the positive feelings yeah. of a clearly you, naked woman. You blank out a slide whistle because <laughs> you're looking at that flipping car going, holy crap, True. that's cool. You forgive... You, you know, uh, women in refrigerators because that car turns into a plane. Oh, look right. how cool that chasing is. Ah, look mm-hmm. at that gunfight that's going on. Oh, look at the, the high action that's going on. Oh, look at the funny little man that's running around. Ha ah, that's so cool. And so yeah. because of these big action sequences or these big parts that are in these films, yeah. our mind literally, I, I truly believe that our mind literally blanks out and forgives all the yep. worst traits of any Bond film. Because you know what I remember about this movie before the viewing? I remembered three things. <laughs> I remembered the AMC jump. Yeah. I remembered Sheriff Pepper being a schmuck and that whole action sequence on the on the river. Mm-hmm. And I remember James trying to push the little teenage girls back and having them step forward and kick butt all over the dojo. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things that stick with me from this, from this movie. And to some degree... They are the most successful set pieces in terms of the action in oh, the yeah. film. I didn't remember oh. the global warming subplot. I didn't remember the, <laughs> the, the Thermax nitro clort. Uh, I barely remembered Scaramanga's thing with the third nipple, which, you know, tying into uh. your discussion of masculinity, the way Scaramanga is portrayed just has that slightest edge of the fey and feminine to but, it but is it is it revealed because i thought maybe it's revealed in the movie and i'm just or remembered or whatever but that someone who has the third nipple a man who may have a third nipple is actually more virile believed, or believed to be godlike. immortal and virile and yeah is that, that said that in is the movie touched on briefly okay is in it, the movie not really virile but they do say that a man who has a third nipple is believed to be invincible oh okay okay but yeah you do you do tie into that and it it comes down in, in simple things like when they're they're touring the thing and he's like, here's a complex machine. I don't understand it. Ha ha. And Bond is like, that clearly does this, that and the other thing. I learned about it in school. Mm-hmm. I read of it in stories. And it's this 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 unit measuring <laughs> contest, really, yeah. where Scaramanga has the upper hand. But Bond is bound and determined to explain to him that that is an entirely subjective take. And that he's about to lose the upper hand and also get shot in his third nipple. Yeah, it's just, it's just I, a really weird movie. And and uh, listen, I enjoy Man with a Golden Gun for what it is. My 1980s memory of 10 year old <laughs> me watching this on a Sunday night during, wow, during the winter naked. and seeing. Well, I don't even know if that was would have been on the ABC broadcast. But just, uh, you know, the final showdown on the beach with the lasers and the planes and all that stuff, that was cool for 10-year-old me. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, you know, our listeners, if this is one of your favorite movies, great. I mean, the only reason we are reviewing this is because so many of you said this was your favorite Roger Moore, James Bond film. And I still say this is one of my favorite Bond movies. And I, and I, think, that's, I think that's okay. But and, and if we, as a society... And this comes from many discussions that I've had over the years. You can go back into other major spoilers podcasts and finally Friday live streams where I have this struggle over 
H.P. Lovecraft and his extreme racism. Mm -hmm. And yet Mm -hmm. we say his Cthulhu mythos stuff is awesome. So it's okay. Um, I think the same thing holds true here. If we realize, if we recognize what the major problems are with these stories and why these are here, I mean, yes, it was the times it was, this was the way people acted in society at the time. This is a reflection of those times. If we can recognize that, but also recognize that we are and should have moved well beyond that. It's still mm-hmm. okay to enjoy a flipping car and a gun that breaks down into three separate pieces and, mm-hmm. you know, a 007 engraved and, oh, here's a gun that's designed for a man with three fingers. I mean, that's totally okay. Yeah. I think that's okay to enjoy this film, providing you understand that it does come from a place that's super problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, when you're dealing with a problematic, even, you know, not just material, but in some cases, creators, it is possible and I believe healthy to appreciate the parts of a work that are good without ignoring or, you know, washing, glossing over the fact that the creator or the material or the portrayals from 1974 are super bad, super problematic, are things that are just not good. And I think everybody's going to have that level of where do you draw the line? For me, it's always Papa Shango. Mm-hmm. Um, when when I watch the one with Papa Shango, I'm like, no, man, I'm out. That's that's too much. That's too much of this, you know, the, just the portrayal of that character and the whole voodoo subplot. Mm-hmm. Really too much for me. But again, here I look at it and I go, oh, God, this is insensitive. Oh, look at that car fly. Yeah. No, no, no. So mm-hmm. it, it's, I, I feel like as long as you remember this is insensitive and. You know, when you say to somebody, hey, have you seen the man with the golden gun? Be aware that there are going to be people who are like, yeah, I've seen it. It's terrible. And you're a terrible person for liking it. (laughs) Those people do exist. And those people have a right to their opinion. But I think that it is possible. And again, it is positive to accept that these pieces of work are indicative not only of their times, not only of the people who created them. But of a kind of a a cultural expectation. In a lot of ways, this is a quintessential Bond movie. This is one of the three Bond movies that really define Bond in a lot of people's minds because it has the gadgets and Mm -hmm. the girl. It has Mm -hmm. the stunts. It has the characters who stand out and some of the snippy dialogue and the pretty, pretty girls. I would say that it's this one and Dr. No and uh, the one with with the underwater lotus are the Uh, ones that really pop out. Isn't that the spy who loved me? Oh, spy! I think it's the spy who loved me is the one with the lotus. Yeah, those three are are the ones that really stick out to me, though, as kind of the high points where people go, "Remember when Bond fought that guy who made a gun out of his cigarette case Mm -hmm. and his Mm -hmm. cufflinks?" Yeah, right. I I I think your statement that you remembered from the blogger about how James Bond is for like prepubescent teen boys, yeah, just makes so much sense now. I think. That's like my new way to look at all of Bond because I w- started it, this. It I started taps this movie into that. So as adults, it also taps into our oh, sure. prepubescent yeah. uh, brainstem. Yeah, yeah. I, I started the movie. You get a little bit into it, and you're about forty five seconds in, and you're like, "Oh, a third nipple is a plot line." That's a, and I I sat there and I said, "There's no way." That I just saw that on screen. There's no way one of the first shots of a James Bond movie is a man 
with three nipples. <laughs> so I rewound it. And yes, and he's like, it could have been anything. Like, uh, uh, it could have been a scar. It, yeah, yeah. The, the only thing with the third nipple is it identifies him. Right. And it's like, he's strong. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what also signifies that? A scar. It was like a really big scar. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't inquire uh, a really like shoddy makeup job yeah, that yeah. then has to get duplicated on Roger Moore. Who then just peels it off and flicks yeah. it away like it's a piece of old pepperoni. It, that was so weird. It's like, I, it's also, James Bond movies, I think, could be made from a Mad Lib. Because they're all so insane. Like, in, well, inside of, of the world, really, I mean, they make sense. Past, once we get so past Roger insane. Moore... Once we get past Roger Moore, you go into a real dark time of James Bond movies with Timothy Dalton and uh, the other guy, uh, Remington Steele. Uh, once you get into that era of James Bond, it's it's scary. And and quite honestly, if it hadn't have been for Halle Berry and Daniel Craig, I don't think the James Bond franchise would succeed. What do you mean scary? I mean like, well, gosh, go watch. Matthew, what's what's the movie after? What's the first uh, sliding down the 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 Alps in a cello case? Matthew, maybe it paused. Are you there, Matthew? Matthew, unpause. Matthew. Oh no! Well, it looks like we've lost. We've Matthew, lost. That's okay. The internet. Um, but yeah, I mean, there just gets into some weird things like, uh, there's a whole movie, uh, and this again is a sign of the times. There's a whole movie where James Bond is helping the Taliban. What? Yeah. Because they're fighting the Russians. Oh, right. So, so it's, it's a real sign of the times, but it's a, it yeah. is a real, it's a real dark time okay. for, for that series. And until Craig comes in and, and I forget the movie that was right before it was like the 20th James Bond film or whatever it was with Halle Berry in it. Uh, I think that's oh, what brought. I think that's what the one brought, with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, that and was the the North Koreans. Yeah, Diamond Face guy or yeah, whatever. Diamond it's, Face Man. Yeah, it's 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 horrible. It's it's really really bad. Um, Am I, did I save yeah. Christmas? Yeah, you did save Christmas, Matthew. Congratulations, okay. you and James Bond. Thank you. Both saved the holidays once but, and for all. So I have I have another question about James Bond mythos. Okay, we've already mm-hmm. established that we can have recurring characters in the racist Louisiana cop. Right. right. So we can have recurring characters. Mm-hmm. Right. Why? And, and tell me how this happened. Is Nick Knack replaced with Odd Job? Why was it not a continuing character? <laughs> <laughs> well, so Odd Job was like four movies before. Oh, it was before Nick Knack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Odd okay. Job is a Sean Connery. So why did Odd Job not become Nick Knack? Or why did Odd Job not stay? Uh, because Odd Job got his head uh, removed, I believe. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> Odd job was, was literally beheaded by his own weapon. Yeah, and then they were, so oh, Odd job the has the hat. The hat. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I've played, I've played Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yeah, he's the what maker? He's from Goldfinger. Yeah, Goldfinger. He's uh, one oh. of Goldfinger's bad guys. Auric Goldfinger. Okay, so yeah, they just the like, well, we need a, we need another little actor. So no, Odd job was not little. He was a huge man. Yeah, Odd job was uh, a man named uh, Harold. Who was like six foot two? He was a former weightlifter, a former Whoa. professional wrestler. No, yeah, Odd Job was not a short. Odd Job is not a short. Uh, if I've short been, person. is Nick Nack the only short person actor in the James Bond franchise? I believe yes. so. You you may be thinking of uh, Doctor Evil's sidekick Mini Me. <laughs> I hope not. No, I this thought... is the thing. 
The character who oh, that is odd job. in in the uh, Harold Austin Sakata. Powers Harold movies. Sakata is his name. Thank you. Random task in the Austin Powers movie is considerably smaller than odd job, but is basically visually the same character. And I'm wondering if maybe random task is who you're thinking of, because Mike Myers is smaller than any of the bonds. And uh, so uh, it's funny because he's five feet, eight, eight inches. So by your standards, Zach, yes, I'm sure he is considered sure. a little person. I must be thinking, by your standards. <laughs> I am considered. A I must little be person. thinking of some weird like glitch in, uh, the, yeah, in Nintendo the 64 Goldeneye. Or <laughs> <Odd> Job was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, since we've been talking about actors and everyone uh, who's been, you know, around Roger Moore's and all these Bond films, Maude Adams was around. How great uh, Scaramanga uh, Christopher Lee was. We should, really should mention that High Fat, uh, an American Chinese American uh, actor. Uh, was born in 1903 and starred between 1931 and 1982. Uh, I should say starred in, appeared in over 120 movies. Holy moly. He is a prolific yep. uh, Chinese American actor. And we should take our hats off to Richard Liu uh, for yes. his, uh, his portrayal of uh, high fat and all the work that he did uh, in, yeah. in, in the movies. He is in tons and tons of things. And I want to say I've seen him in four or five war movies and he oh, always yeah, yeah, plays yeah. he always plays like the noble general who doesn't mm-hmm. really want to kill John Wayne and mm-hmm. such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Anything else you want to talk about Zach? Anything that uh, else that that troubles oh, you? Oh boy. No, I think we pretty much covered most of I, my issues with this movie. I'm sure <laughs> I if want... I we watched it again cuz uh, personal plea to like the broccoli family make James Bond movies rentable like come on now I had to buy this and now I have this in my iTunes library <laughs> someday your child will look at this Zach and go dad what were you thinking I'm ashamed the problem no. is it's the only Runs James away. Bond movie I own so my child will think this must be the best James Bond movie ever made it's the only one my dad owns well, you can always delete those you know that right oh I guess that's true well, why would you do that? You paid for I mean, it. I paid I mean, that's, for it. <laughs> that's like throwing away a movie. Okay. I do have one thing about this, and this is very important, especially in the 70s and 80s James Bond. Mm-hmm. The man with the golden gun has the worst Bond music mm-hmm. theme ever. Ever. This is the worst good. song. And you know what? It contains yeah, a line that I want to share with you right now. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm hoping it's the, it, the worst line in this movie. I, I heard it and I was like, I have to go back and yeah, hear it yeah. again to make sure I heard it. She's singing along about Scaramanga. <laughs> Who will he bang? Yeah. No, that's not in there. That is literally in the song. <laughs> yeah. Who this will was, he bang? This was written by or it was um, sung by Lulu. Who was a, a, you know one of those one hit wonder types? She was into Sir with Love. She had two hits. Oh, that's my right. Friend. That's right. But did you she know Alice Cooper actually wrote a theme song for this movie that they decided not to use oh, in favor no. of the Lulu theme song? Well, you know Lulu versus Alice. I don't know. Uh, go listen because he released that. Uh, he released the Man with the Golden Gun uh, on his album Muscle of Love. Mm. And I want to go track that down now and see if his song is better see, than than Lulu's. The, it has He's to be a man dude. with the golden gun. Oh, you know what is good about this he movie? He is no fun. Isn't this? Is, he has the quintessential cue in this. Isn't this yes. like a uh-huh. longest serving cue? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's great. Yes, he is wonderful. He's almost as good as uh, John Cleese. 
Oh, yeah. John Cleese. So, uh, you know, it's always an interesting experiment, like watching a movie from the 70s and no less being like a really popular uh, character from the 70s. It always makes it interesting. It's like, what? horrible things will this movie uncover of the change of our society oh sure now this is not a you know this is like the fourth least successful james bond film oh really it's not the it is not the least but is the fourth least successful james bond it doesn't it didn't have a high rotten tomato rating it's like oh a no it's only like 45 or something, or something yeah, like that yeah it's, it's really low yeah so uh not, not great and it, and it shows and really we only talked about plot and how they treat uh minorities and women <laughs> in this film I didn't think like the technical aspects of the film were great either. Like, the camera work, whatever. The music, no. Yeah. I mean, it was it was standard fare. Yeah, it was it was solid. It was workmanlike. There was some weird one eighty rule breaks that really threw me off for All a the second. Boat stuff was not very good. Yeah, yeah. The boat stuff did not follow the laws of physics. But the car thing was so cool, and I learned <laughs> I learned that you could uh, like trademark trademark a stunt that's yeah. a new thing i yeah, never yeah. think possible you so, knew they now you yeah. know about the existence of a thing called the american motor company yes and their trademark car the gremlin I, go google that i, all, I already looked it look up it's horrible go look at the fascinating <laughs> history of the gremlin and then go look at the fascinating history of the pacer and you'll understand yep. if you have ever seen the movie cars 2 why the oh, pacer and the gremlin are are considered the villains in the movie or why they oh, are the villains of the movie they're why they're yep they're why they're the lemons the, yeah the lemons. Huh. Yeah, the the Gremlin's ugly. The the front of the car is half the oh, yeah. body length. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's bad. Now, you want a weird story? Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend in college who lived upstairs from me weird. in the dorm, who lived upstairs from me in the dorm room. Yeah. His girlfriend, uh, later wife, mm-hmm. had a purple Gremlin. Okay. And they loved that car. Now, he drove a little, like, <laughs> Miata, not a Miata, but one of those little sports car kind yeah. of things. But they loved the gremlin. And one day I was walking home in the cold rain and they pulled up and they were like, hey, jump in. We will give you a ride. And I had to literally in my mind say, do I get out of the rain and get a ride home or do I get in this car and embarrass myself for all time because I have to ride in the back and the gremlin's a two seater. Yeah, I think it's small. And it's a bubble a bubble back. <laughs> so I'm aware. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the answer to that story lies somewhere in the future. Did is it true that if you put gas in a gremlin after It'll midnight explode. that it like yes. changes into a different car? Yes, it does. Yes, it changes into a pacer. <laughs> and then it goes around and, and you have to be careful because then it will take over the movie theater. All right. We've we've clearly done all the jokes we can make from Man with the Golden Gun. Uh, so oh, that's no, 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 I don't think oh, so. No. No, we just ran out of time. Oh, okay, that one too. More. <laughs> I, I can I can riff on Chew Me for another half hour. Oh, no, we're skipping that. So that's it for this week's episode of Zach on Film. Head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page and give your best cringe moment from the man with the golden gun or like why a third nipple. Just any of your theories work. <laughs> While you're also there, you can find your next favorite podcast in the Major Spoilers Podcast Top 5 Critical Hit. There's so many great podcasts for you to listen to, and you're just going to enjoy all of them. While you're there, click on that Amazon.com link where you could go buy probably a giant, giant Blu-ray box set of James Bond films. Oh, and I'm when sure you, you do that, it's not going to cost you any extra. It's going to probably be expensive unless there's a great sale on Amazon. 
but when you use that link, it won't cost you any extra, and a little bit of that purchase will come back to Major Spoilers to keep podcasts like this on the air. If you really love what we do and want to continue to see podcasts like this created, you can become a Patreon. A That's patron. Right. I always do that. You I can never become, do it right. No, no, no. There's a lot of people like that say that they're they're Patreons. Really? Oh, there's oh, a good. whole there's a whole uh, cast where it's become famous that they don't know how to pronounce Patreon <laughs> or good. Patron. Yeah. So patreon.com slash major spoilers is a place where you want to go if you want to help us out. A couple of bu- bucks a month. If you thought this conversation with the three of us was worth two bucks, then go to patreon.com slash major spoilers, donate today. You'll get a bunch of extra content. You'll get some behind-the-scenes look. Uh, $2 uh, keeps the lights on for us. If you want to contribute more, it's it's always welcome. Uh, I would hope that with all the content that we put out, people would consider putting in at least 5 bucks a month. 5 bucks. That's less than the Nothing. cost of an edible in Colorado or the less than the cost of a beer at your local tavern. Yeah, local tavern. Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. That's going to be it for this episode of Zach on Film. We'll see you next week. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 